Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. Hi guys, welcome back to another Coaching Family uh, MPFC Youth Development Soccer Podcast and uh, join us over with my good friend Glenn Hicks. Glenn, how are you doing? Good mate, had a good week on the ground coaching, so yeah, all good my mate. Lovely, so I thought this week talk about uh, ball striking, you know, when, where, how and if, if you like, um, you know, an important part of the game and when you get it in, people said to me, you know, do I do a focus it enough or when do you do it? So, you know, uh, now, what's your you know introductory thoughts on that? What do you reckon? Yeah, I think in terms of especially with youth development, so it's one of them things, isn't it, where people talk about practice makes perfect, but for me, practice makes permanent. And I think it's, and I can talk for myself, I haven't played football for 17 years, but my ball striking is still good. Do you know what I mean? I think if you practice correctly, I think you, you, you've got a tool for life. And I think once we develop two-footedness and exceptional ball striking with the fundamental basics of maybe a side foot and an in-step drive, I just think it's a tool that a player carries with them for the rest of their career. So along with the other ball responsibilities, I talk about a lot retaining the ball with a ball mastery, receiving the ball with a fantastic first touch on both feet. You know, releasing the ball is just as important, mate. So I'd start there and say everybody at all ages, at all levels, should always be developing ball striking as one of the most essential tools in a game, mate. So, yep. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, like I say, I say look, a lot of my work, especially with younger ages, goes individual possession first. But obviously, you know, ball striking is still an individual possession skill. You know, you've got to release it. But the question is just uh, when and where you get into your session. I suppose the thinking as well from the bigger picture in terms of your methodology as well. I mean, where does that tie in, right? I mean, we talk about, I mean, I was thinking this last night when we said we're going to change, you know, I was thinking stuff like passing drills, passing patterns and those sorts of things. But I mean, that's very essence, isn't it? It's just about having that, that quality. So I'll give you an example, like, you know, if I'm doing my individual sessions, I start every session with, you know, you know, 50 to 100 inside each foot, bang, bang, inside foot passes, part of the warm-up, every player, then 100, 50 to 100 and laces strike as well, bang, bang, do you know what I mean? Drill, 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 just get that key skill, be able to strike the ball on both feet, like you say, with quality, you know, I'd really recommend that for any player, particularly if you're playing individually and then, you know, the question is then comes in, how do you now, if, you, if you're working in a team environment, what does that look like? How does that do? What do you do, like in terms of you know that ball strike? And then you know if you're putting a session on, what's your thought process? And then how are you going to support those players and getting those quality reps in? I think with a ball striking source, the first thing the players do themselves, isn't it? Whether they just run up and start smashing the ball at goal, or we've seen the videos recently of the likes of Grealish and Foden, you know, just having fun playing with a ball over forty yards, fifty yards, you know, sidewinders, swazzing it a bit, and all sorts of techniques. I think I think ball striking is the thing that even us as kids probably practice naturally most because you just want to kick the ball to goal. So I think the first thing is we should encourage it, not discourage it. But obviously with things as they get older, you don't want boys just turning up to a session and just smashing the boys or girls smashing the ball to goal because of you know injury avoidance and stuff like that. But first of all, I think we should just keep stoking that habit up and, and get them to practice more. You know, the old stories about Beckham hitting the ball into the tire and stuff, you know, they, they will never get old. And whether it's ball and a wall all the time, but like you said there, so I always like to start somewhere in my warm-up. You know, if they're a little bit old, I like to do the mannequins, whether it's like diamonds or triangles. I'm I'm quite obsessed with ball striking, just the ability on first and second foot to open up and punch it or sweep across and just 
I, I do it a lot with the old a lot, but I think it's always essential, like you said, whether it's five, 10 minutes of getting a habit in there, you know, in your core DNA work or whatever you want to name it, of side foots, outsides, repetition, you know, bringing it across your feet to play there on the same foot, on the opposite foot. I think it's about getting it in skillfully early, I think, in the training, whether it's whether it's you do a bit of dribbling and you're in freeze and then you get your little pass and then turn and you've got to get it in as much as the dribbling. Now, I think that, that that's about your session design, isn't it? But, and I think, I always like to work towards a goal. That's the obvious one, isn't it, mate? Whether it's whether it's a goal and you're taking shots or you haven't got a goalkeeper, you're doing your 1v1 work and you're hitting a mini goal, like wrapping a cross in or wrapping a forward pass into the striker, I always like to play with some form of targets, mate, in nearly all my practices if, if you well, get dribbling. Give us an example well. then. Give us, give us an example one of your sessions then. You know, what's what's that going to look like the first bit? I mean, give us an example how you're integrating that ball striking in to be specific for the listeners out there. All right, so if you was with the with the young ones and you and you've got let's say a ball between three, yeah. So the first two players facing each other, I might do a little one-two, and then on the next pass they open up and receive, and you just work a little carousel. So you've got a passer, a receiver, and a marker, and let the marker be passive first. So player at the end passes it in. I do a little bounce, I check off. So now I've worked on my set already. That guy's now trying to serve it into my back foot correctly. So there's a bit of detail on these pass. Might be punching it a bit quicker. And my first touch might take it past the marker. Now, I drive out with a ball, so I'm getting my dribbling. I then go and get a little turn on the ball, like a Cruyff. Let him do any turn. So now, all of a sudden, you've just done a couple of passes. You've checked off and got on a pass on the back four. You've now done the other end, and the practice repeats itself. I now turn, and I am the server. And then I'm playing into the guy that's tightly marked. So he's already working his contact, you know, player at his back or his side. He's working on his setting. We're already getting our ball striking in. Then I'm checking off. It's a bit of a multifunctional practice. Then I'm checking off. Again, punch it into his back foot. And then just let that flow. And then make sure you're working both sides. If you checked off right, check off left. And all of a sudden, they're getting their 75, as we used to call it, or they're getting their basic five to 10-yard passes in. Then you can go to semi-oppose and do different receiving techniques. So right now, on the second pass, punch it in faster to their feet. And you've got to receive it tightly marked. So actually spin your spin your player like Tiago. So he punches it in. The first man spins. The defender stays in, and it just keeps rotating itself. So and, and then and then you can change. So, when the we, so, so yeah. So when would when would you do that in your sessions? Tell us that. Tell us that. Where would that sit in your session, for example? I'd normally I'd like to do a little bit of ball each first. I'd, I'd like to go up systematically quite a lot, especially with the young ones. Get them a ball each. Get their feet on the ball. Get all you know your dynamic ball mastery. All your touches out of the air. I was doing yeah. it just the other day. You know just. Like like kick ups, knocking it up, working different wedge touches, and again, wh- whatever you feel your group need, I, I like to go ball each, maybe ball between two, and then get up to your ball between threes and fours. So you're actually getting the little patterns in, the little combinations. Because like I said, there were a little that ball between three, that can be ball between four, that can as well. You can you can go two in the middle, and instead of me spinning the player and wriggling out on my own, as I shift it, I might actually just shift it and wrap it into a target. So now it's like the number ten. So if it's a number nine, he's probably spinning and going in on goal. Or if it's a wing, he's spinning and going on goal. But if it's a 10 or an eight, he's probably spinning to wrap a pass down the sides into, into the number nine. Do you know what I mean? So, But I'd like to get that in maybe the second part. So if you if you had like a 30-minute technical part, so I'd like to do maybe 10 minutes ball each. And then in that 20 minutes somewhere, make sure there's plenty of ball striking, whether it's short range or you can do exactly the same practice as we know, so, and just extend the di- distance and make it a 20-metre pass or or short one end and longer the other end. So I do my little tight inset, open up, and then now maybe I've got a clipper pass, like I'm clipping it over to the opposite side of the pitch or into the forward, you know what I mean? But I like to get that in the first 30 minutes. So there's a lot of technical repetition, but I'd like to link it ideally to whatever the practice is. 
So if we're working on breaking lines, we might work on a different type of pass or, do you know what I mean? If we're working out playing on from the back, it might be literally just splitting and taking it on the back foot like centre half. So kind of like, like to link it from a specific technical point of view into the next part of the practice as well. But yeah, first half hour of the session as much as possible normally. Sort of yeah, I mean, I, I was like reflect on my, you know, the first stage groups I took at Spurs as nines, you know, and I said to, used to tell people that we don't do any group possession. And this is no, and you know, the people were quite shocked with that. You know, we did everything was individual possession. So what I mean, doing group possession, we didn't do any, you know, passing, you know, possession drills if you like. Everything was just individual possession. Lots of individual ball mastery, one ball each, one v ones, two v two, three v three, four v fours. But then we still had to get the ball striking. And so Chris, like I say, Chris Ramsey was a big fan of the seventy fives, which was like you know break off like you know twenty five strong foot, twenty five weak foot, twenty five for the both feet or what outside foot. We we're going to do that just to get that quality repetition. You know, same thing. I used to do like stuff like short, 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 long. Like say three, like you say three players, short, 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 and then ping one along. Main players love that bit of long pass and driven like that. So you almost use it as like a, a break you say okay you know you've done a little 1v1 or 2v2 practice okay break five minutes some quality passing you know almost you can even use it as an active recovery sometimes do you know what I mean as you just mm-hmm. use that long passing you know just long drill pass for me as well especially like my my latest side of my my career you know there's um like say like you say threes and fours high intensity like you know high quality passing man you know two mannequins if you like two players on each side pass pass set wrap it in long and not yeah. long like you know 10 12 meters then always some rotation in there so you're swimming with your teammates so you're always thinking about head up that sort of thing but you need to get that quality repeti- repetition you need lots and lots of repetition both feet you know it's just like five mm. ten minutes just bang strong foot weak foot punching do you know what i mean a really specific that quality you know core technique of punching the pass from the inside foot the inside of your foot or like say drilling the pass and then maybe you're experimenting a bit like you know iniesta pass i call it that outside the foot one where you're punching it that barcelona pass used to call it when you're playing with the skies you know what i mean those sorts of things and mm. experimenting but i suppose then you know it's just for me the same things where does it fit in you know where does it fit into your session i've always been one like you know when you look at conventional passing drills that's what i've not always been a massive part a fan of because like you say you know when the tempo drops it depends you know if you're a beginner mm. you can afford to have like a slow tempo because you really think about the safe big pass but if you're working with you know especially elite players academy players or good players you know you really need to keep that intensity high so you don't want any queuing you know you don't necessarily just want to re- pass one play and go to the other one maybe like you say just have you you know, manipulate that environment if you like. Do you know what I mean? And having, like, say, like threes or fours, much more than because you're constantly connected, aren't you? Bang, bang. You know, mm. and they say, you know, if you work, say, you say to the players, for example, work on different lines, keep your head up. You know, rotate. Always have balance. You throw these little things in, but you still work on that general, you know, bang, bang, quality punching those passing. Do you know what I mean? I remember. And I visited an Ajax watching those guys do some of the passing drills there. And I used to always think, well, I'd never do a drill like that. But you see the intensity and the speed which the players would do it at. You think, wow, yeah. do you know what I mean? I suppose that's the difference, isn't it? That's the deliberate practice thing. I think that's when you, you when you bring it in, you know, when you bring in that, that you know, it's a, the skill of the coach, isn't it, to control that environment and make sure, particularly when it's an unimposed environment, you need that speed and intensity and that challenge. And that's what you need, isn't it? That, you know, in terms of that, you know, sort of players are really, you know, working on that limit every mm. time you know to try and push push themselves i think it depends where you're at in terms of age and ability and that whole you know practice spectrum about you know if it's just me and the ball there's a trade-off and then at that end of the spectrum yeah. there's the games thing but i think i think it's we can't be scared as well to just sometimes strip it down to a ball between two and we're going to strike the ball to yeah. each other for 10 minutes to have like really low intensity practice here but like you said about interference or you said the other week about it being an interventionist and intervene more i think it's more important to get rid of all the interference from the game because if a kid can't kick the ball properly with their left foot the last thing they need is other distractions so i think it's really important 
the, the key stuff is with a skill of coaching, isn't it? So, and I've got a tool that I work by with the ABCs, your approach, your balance, and your contact. And the only other thing that gets involved there is timing when the ball's moving. And we should be sometimes just strip it back to look, we're going to kick the ball to each other with both feet, but we're really working on wrapping it with a side foot. And, you know, every time it, every time he skims it, you know, like them skimmers on the one, it bobbles a bit and it's choking yeah. up around shins. It's like, are we intervening and, and putting in key things in there about, look, sit into it more, hit through it rather than over it? And, it's the interventions that I think in that 10 minutes, if there's one or two interventions that can make a difference to the way the kid's thinking about striking the ball, that's the stuff that really matters. Because then I think you're going to end up getting to a skillful practice anyway. Do you know what I mean? Because I believe anyway, and most of us do, that technique is the foundation to all skill. So if we're going to have a skillful player in a rondos and the ball's going zip, 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 and then he has to flip it around the corner. Well, actually, there's a really good box session I like to do as well. So where it's just a diamond with a little box in the middle. And sometimes... I cage the players in with actual mannequins so there's almost no escape. And it's about just wrapping it in there and guiding your first touch out. And there's a fantastic video online of Busquets doing it and Javi, really stripping it down to basics with no one else around other than the ball coming in. Can I work all my angles, left foot, right foot, in and out? Do you know what I mean? And we've got to strip it. No one to strip it back completely because they need the interventions and they need the key details to build it up. And then, do you know, like you say, then high intensity. Let's really test how good it is. Because the game's the yeah. ultimate test, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? The, the game's the ultimate test for any level of technique and skill. Yeah, I, I mean, guess. I mean, you, you, you're hitting that on the head. I mean, that's the game, isn't it? That's, that's coaching, that's skill acquisition. And mm. they say, I used to do all that. Like, it's like, even like, you know, when I was, remember the, when I was in academy football, you know, okay, we've done high intensity, 1v1, maybe, okay, let's have a little, just 10 minute, five to, five to 10 minutes, Active recovery, just like say 20, 20, 20, 25 yard ping passing, bang, bang. They love that, bang, eight foot, both feet, ping, ping. Do you know what I mean? And like working that technique, but I'm like, you know, a little active recovery, so still working. And the boys love doing a little bit of long drive, not, not over like do five, same, but I say five, 10 minutes, just enough, right? Then we move on, bang, we're straight back in, intensity raises again. Do you know what I mean? And like I say, the players really like that. I mean, when players come to me, I say, I'll start every session with that ball striking both feet, and then players come to me a lot. Pretty older players, you know, they want to play at high level and they come and their weak foot ball strike is really poor. And so, you know, I say, say, you know, come on, man, this is this is on you. Do you know what I mean? This is yeah. not an accident. And, this, and the great thing about it is a meritocracy. You know, you put more work in, you're going to see it. And I said, you know, I say to same players, go find a wall somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Start off like, you know, five, 10 yards away. Make sure the ball's always moving. And another big, like, you know, misconception players use and players, uh, coaches use, like, the ball's static, you know, try not to strike a dead ball. It's all about your foot pattern. Touch it out, drill it. Just do that, you know, 50, 100 times mm. every day. Both feet, obviously, we work on that weak foot. And your weak foot will go like that. Bang. You know what I mean? That's a massive, you know, I've seen it, you know, I've seen it, like, all the time. So mm. The players just got to encourage to put in the work. And I suppose that's a challenge, isn't it, with, you know, like, we're working in those team environments, particularly, if you don't necessarily get all the time, you've got to say to players, look, you, you know, this isn't enough what we're doing here with you. You know, we'll do yeah. a bit of five, 10 minutes just for repetition. And also, top of the ice, say a lot of players, look, this is for me to see what you're like. So, I mean, this is not, you know, I can see that you need more work. You need more work. He's working harder than you. It's almost like a way for coaches to measure how good their technique is. This was, you know, we'll do a little bit to make for maintenance, but to really improve it, you've got to be doing it, you know, a little bit of that mm. every day or as much as possible. So, I used to do this great thing when we started at Chelsea, I was working with Samps. We also do like a like a weak foot penalty contest after every session on a Saturday. Mm. And I'll tell you what, it was amazing, you know, that peer pressure of right saying, okay, right, weak foot penalty. You know, we did it for every every Saturday, single Saturday. Mate, you should see the improvement 
of the players' weak foot. I said never strike a dead ball, just that's you know, try to do a penalty shootout for the penalty shootout. But yeah. you know, suddenly they're all practicing. Suddenly they're weak foot are all. I'm not. Oh, I'm not gonna. You know, kick it. You know, these under nines. You know, I don't really like spoon it and you know be all my friends. You know, you know, be you know be the laughing stock if you like. Suddenly, bang, the intensity arises. Mm. I've really got focusing, and then you know that ball striking really improves. So. Those little tools, I suppose, isn't it? Using peer, a bit of peer pressure, a bit of encouragement, encouraging players to say, "You're right, okay, you know, you're going to go away." But I think as well, like um, I think we mentioned it before. Another thing people don't realise about <clears throat> all that one ball each stuff, like you said about that balance and coordination. If I'm better on the ball, my weaker side, and I can turn, I can move, I can get my foot on the ball. It helps your ball striking because the ball striking is all that you know your foot patterns, but it's your your core, isn't it? Your balance and getting over the ball, being able to do that with control and having all those movements, those ball mastery movements really helps that, right? Yeah, definitely, man. I was working with a couple of forwards last night doing a little clinic with some of them and they're very, quite extremely left foot. We've got a centre forward that's left foot and a winger that's left foot and I was talking to them about how awkward they look in their balance and it really is the balance. Once they get over the first two to three months of repetition and, and they and they start to feel physically balanced landing on that right, uh, landing on that left leg, the one they normally kick in with, because it's not normally the actual striking foot. Because when they hit a volley out of the air, it's okay. But it's that one where they got to land and really stabilise themselves. So, again, I use that approach, balance, contact. Somewhere in that phase, something's, something's broke down. And, again, that's about the skill of the coach, isn't it? Rather than just don't just do the session, but can we actually notice where it's breaking down? Is it the footwork? Is it the contact? And just just make them aware of it. Sometimes just making the player aware of it will... Uh, Will it make a big difference? But what you said about the competition, so with the penalties, even that striking the ball across the pitch, you know, Grealish and Jack, uh, Jack Grealish and Phil Foden are having a, a friendly competition. And I think do that game, but stick a cone with a ball in the middle or stick a mannequin in the middle or stick a gate in the middle or, or you know what, I'll put a spot near your feet, Saul, or a box, because if they're not that great, put like a five-yard box. I've got to clip it into your box. We play points. Let's just play a game. I'll clip it into your box. I'll get a point. If that's too easy, just put a spot. You know the little spots on the floor? Put a spot. Mm. I've got to clip it onto the cone. Or if you're working on wrapping the pass, put a ball on a cone and you've got to knock the cone off. Then all of a sudden, they're, they're a bit more wired up to being really accurate. The ball's going where you want it to anyway. You can do it differently. If you want to work on your sidewinder, say, right, there's a mannequin. Can you take the mannequin's head off? Or, I don't know, can you can you hit the mannequin square in the chest? you know what I mean? But... But all of a sudden, just by putting that little element of competition in there, we're not just striking the ball to each other going off. We've we've got a clear focus. We know we're either wrapping it at the ball through the gate or we know we're clipping it over a goal or whatever. You know what I mean? Whatever the outcome is, I might be clipping it over into the mini goals. You've seen them ones where you, I don't know, you might put a big goal and we'll clip it over so it drops in a mini goal, me v you. And again, that's just about skillfully just saying, I'm not going to interfere here but I'm going to set it up so you two are on fire with your practice and there's that a bit of that, like you said about the penalties, you want to win, you want to beat your mate and you're zooming in a little bit. And just if you want them to work the weaker foot, I don't know, just that's double points for your so-called weaker foot. If you do it on your left, Johnny, and you do it on your right, I'd give them double points. And I just think the competition element zooms them in a little bit better there, to their practice as well, doesn't it? So it's really important to get that in there, I think. Getting that- but I suppose the question is, where does that sit in, you know, in the current climate, you know, uh, you know, we're unopposed practice is a dirty word in some people's, you know, eyes. a lot of some of the coach education. It's interesting, I just like, I finally, I, I just like, because I've been traveling so much, I've had to do the last module to finish my A license. It's taken like four years because I've been keeping missing this one module because I'm always out of the country anyway. But I did the other day and uh, Greasy was doing it, top top tutor, Steve Greaves, one of the best tutors I've worked with, really good. But like they did like a couple of, couple of practices and same, you know, shoot finishes, start with a little bit of unopposed work, a little bit of patterns, that sort of thing, practice the movements and then into the into your you know opposed game like practice. And so refreshing to you, actually, yeah, this is actually what happens in the game, right? This is what happens in 
top flight football academy football should happen in all mm. games. Football. So I'm glad to see they're not, they're not, not, I don't know if they're going away from it in Orland, but they seem to, you know, going back into, you know, rather than away from, you know, everything's got to be in a game or if it's got to be, you know, which is all, like we why before, you just need a balance. It's not, you know, why are we going to see why you like one way or the other? You've got to use which, you know, use, use which tools are appropriate. But I don't, you know, for me, if you're a beginner or you're even like a high level player, still having that time on the ball, and, you know, like you said, without the interference to, Know mastering work on those particular things to then go back into it, right? So, having that balance, but anyway, my point is saying it's like good to see that refreshing, like seeing those practices where it is a bit unopposed and it's full game, that sort of thing, and having that mix with what you know it looks like in most environments. Definitely, mate. I, I, I think sometimes it depends how much time you've got, but like, so if you're talking about academy football, you can definitely fit in some. If you've only got one or two sessions a week, an hour, hour, and 20 minutes here and there. My me, my personal view on it is when I've done a lot of grassroots team stuff, is whatever they could do in their own time try and encourage them to do it or if they could get there a little bit earlier and do an extra ball between two stuff because you do have to work on the group stuff as well and when i mean group stuff i don't mean 11 v 11 patterns of play i mean little 3v3s 4v4s and learning how to plot you know learn the basic principles of defending near your own goal attacking up there you know 1v1 domination overloads and stuff so i think when you're limited on time i would encourage them again it gives them independence as well to say how much of this stuff can you practice on your own are you willing to do it and then when they come back and go to you there's no hiding places there with techniques or once you do like a technical yeah. like test when they come back to you go, oh, i've been working on my left foot coach glenn, glenn i've been doing this i went okay just show me you don't have to say anything mm. i said i will know based on the way you kick the ball and then if five weeks later there's absolutely no progress you can say have you really been practicing or actually can we, we've clearly got to change the way you're practicing because you, you don't have to ask if someone's been working on their left foot. I'm working with a young lad at the minute, 17-year-old centre-back, his fantastic attitude to practice. So, and he's become two-footed in 12 months. Honestly, could not kick a ball with his left foot. And I'm trying to sell it to him, you know, flog it to him saying, listen, you ain't got enough speed to get away with being totally one-footed, but you really need to get a technical balance. But he's bought into one or two things. But I know he's been working. I know he's been working every day obsessively because his left foot's immaculate now. He can strike the ball up the pitch like a proper non-league defender can clear the ball on both feet. He can wrap it in on both feet and still a lot of work to do. But do you know what I mean? Whether you're 17 years old or seven years old, sometimes how we sell it to them as well and, and, and encourage them to do certain stuff in their own time. And it's about getting that balance of what the group needs and what the individuals need. But I personally yeah, I mean, yeah, compromise the individual as well though yeah, if there I mean, was... yeah i mean that's yeah it's like i mean i if, if i had a team for one hour a week i'm still doing five or ten minutes you know ball mastery part you know if it's like five minutes on the ball party warm up then five minutes of just passing you know say high intensity and then into your you know still work on trying to develop those skills with those players if you say you know they should do it in the other times many times you know maybe, players don't maybe that's the only time they get to touch mm. a ball all week but they're you know they're doing swimming or they're doing whatever this and that you know if you're not especially grassroots players you're not helping them develop their skills you know do you know what I mean, it's just you know, I mean, like you say, it's all in that team. Then I think, and it doesn't have to be long. Like I say it could be just five or ten minutes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, that just quality work. I think that's so powerful. Do you know what I mean? I think that's a big. You know, I see that some of the, you know, people on Twitter, for example, say, "Oh, you know, it's different. You know, you work with me. I work with pros. That, un that unopposed stuff. I only work at the highest level." I said, "No, it's ridiculous. That's the opposite. You know, there's grassroots you know, beginners need that even more." Do you know what I mean? Because, mm. like, you know, it's Tom Biases a lot. You know, the players who don't develop those skills, those, whether it's your ball strike and be able to put your foot on the ball, those simple skills, you know, a lot of them drop out of the game because they don't even enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? They don't mm. get the time to develop that skill. So it's almost like, well, you know, you, you're developing it by yourself or, you know, you're not developing it. You know, it's a bit like, you know, well, you know, do it yourself or, or, or you know, it's very sort of, I think they people get, they think people get confused and do it that, the one way around. I mean, you know, it's just as important, I'm trying to say, at the, with the beginners it is with the elite players but obviously then it's a balance isn't it you know if i've got like a you know an under nine session once week for, for 60 minutes i'm not doing you know 
60 minutes of technical work, you know, about games. It's got to be a game-based session, but it can be, you know, those if you use it as an actual recovery or a little bit of games or even like some active games. Make sure you support players in developing those skills because obviously that's the job of a coach, right? Definitely, mate. And I would say in terms of developing tools at the young, young, young ages or just, well, not even young age, when I say young, novice ability, let's just say I might start at 15, but I've still got novice ability. When you've got low-level technical ball striking skills, I would say you've got to think about the way you practice as well. So you see the traditional into the coach set it, which is great. You've got to have that. The ball's going to come be set back to you or set across your feet. But I think you've got to almost work like in a, it's not even 360 degrees. With ball striking, it's more 180 degrees. So picture it now, 180 degrees, stand on a centre spot, get the kids standing. And, and, and if you think about that half of the centre circle that's in front of me, I think we've got a design of practice where the ball's coming horizontally from my left and then I'm whipping it in the goal like Haaland because he's just majestic. Hey? You know them ones that get rolled across by yeah. Foden and it, it's coming straight at his body, he sweeps it early on the first foot. From the other side, it might, might be like a Jermaine Defoe or Harry Kane. Then you've got the ones on the angles coming back. It might be your central midfielders arriving in the box late for the later cutbacks where actually it's coming on an angle from like 10 or 2 o'clock. So I've got to be able to deal with the ball coming from that angle. And that means now a different body shape where maybe my hip gets up and over. And then, you know, sometimes coming straight back at you, but that's quite rare, you know. Then I've got, to, okay, now I've got to do it dribbling. Is the ball running away from me? And I'm in on goal like Henri. So if the ball's running away from me, I normally only get a little poke or a little side foot. Or is it like Son? Are we actually doing it where we're running across the box and the ball's to my side? So actually, I don't want the ball running away from me. I want it shifted steady so I can get the whip. I think we've got to, we've got to do that a bit more in practice skillfully, I think, as well. Because when I watch ball striking practice, so in terms of shooting at the goal or, do you know what I mean, crossing and finishing... It all looks quite the same. And I think we've got to be skillful with what type of ball they're hitting and give them different type of ball in the air, fast, slow. Do you, do you know what I mean? I think that's a key element to the training as well. Because if you do it in your practice, the kids will duplicate that when they go and practice rather than just like straight line ball striking as well. I think it's, yeah, it's important. I, I think as well, as, um, it's just the art of the same as the art of the coach, isn't it? The environment you're, protect, you're creating. And that's, you know, that's, you know, it, it's... If you are working in small groups, the intensity is right. It shouldn't be boring. You know, people play some mm-hmm. time to show up. Even if it's like a little game, like, you know, two type, you know, you're working with a group of 10, 12, 16, if you like, in pairs, pass and moving around. If any little game, you know, bang, bang, say a number, you've got to do 10 passes or say a number, you got, you know, whatever, you know, little games you can create like that where you're still getting the quality techniques, but <coughs> the intensity is high. So everyone's involved, no one's queuing, everyone's always moving, everyone's always involved. That's the key, isn't it? You know, you do that mm-hmm. obviously with the better players, you know, and it's more the high intensity passing move rotation things again in small groups so you're always connected you're always in you're not standing there waiting like queuing for a bus do you know what i mean which is like i really one of the things i make frustrates me at any level you know why would you you put practicing when everything's when you especially you know be a bit more creative working mm-hmm. groups of three or four or five or six whatever where we've got and trust players to do it but everyone should be you know working and doing that and doing it what, what's your thoughts on like um like passing patterns and stuff like that, you know, those sorts of things where you see like at the highest level, you see your Guardiola's, I mean, any first team environment going to see passing patterns. What do you think, what's your thoughts about that generally? And then also in terms of what that you've used development football as well. So honestly, I really like them, mate. And again, whether you do just around, let's say a triangle when you've got four players playing follow the pass, the outcomes, but again, it's, it's like anything, if done correctly, it's very, very useful. If not, you can just waste time. And then kids are just passing around the square because the coach said pass around the square and the coach said follow it, so I'm going to follow it. And I had a bit of an issue with this the other day when I was watching one of these drills. And I'm like, well, I can't see any learning taking place there. So, for example, like when, when you're on the cut, let's say passing around the square, everyone's seen that drill before. If the player is checking off horizontally to the marker, he can get the ball feet, but there's no pathway 
down the line. If the player checks off vertically, like away from the ball, the mannequin's now in the way. So again, that habit of saying, look, check off on an angle. Why? And when they say why, say, look, can you see how now that little corridor from where the ball's going to where that player is, I've checked off on an angle so I can see both. I can see where the ball's coming from. I can see where it's going. So now if it just comes into my second foot or back foot, I can either stun it and play quickly like a Michael Carrick, or I can open up and wrap it on my right foot. I don't know, like Kyle Walker wrapping it down the line for Haaland or something. And again, just that little bit of interference or intervention rather in a little bit of detail. Or And again, you tell them why to play. Okay, now, guys, we're going to work on a stun touch. So I want you to play quickly because the players put you under pressure quickly. So it's how quickly, once the ball comes into your back foot or your second foot, how quickly can you stun it, like literally drop it onto your next foot and then bang, pass it to your left. So you're giving them a little bit of technical detail. Do you know what I mean? And again, so I'll, I, I think you can move that onto where you want. You can then get the inset, wrap it to the next one. I, I, st- I just think all of these drills sort are, t- are two things. They're like, what's the creativity in the sessions? Like, what's is it stimulating? And what's the relevance? Like, where does it fit into the game? And if you're telling a kid and you show him context like that, but look, if you come off the player, look how easy it is to receive and pass it without even working hard. Whereas mm. if you're here and the player's still in the way, you've got to really shift the ball now and work a bit more. And it's just about dropping them in there. And then once they buy into it, they actually get more, start to get more success. And then when a kid gets more success, they're more motivated to do it anyway. So I, I like them. I, I think it's easy to get bored of it because you can't become monotonous and keep doing the same thing for too much time. But again, I know we keep saying this, but that's about the skill of the coach, isn't it? Can you notice when Delivering when it. they're bored? And yeah. kids will let you know when they're bored, wouldn't they? Yeah. They'll say, can we move on now? And I, I, yeah. I quite like them, all because again, there's no hiding place and you can really zoom in on specifics of technique, whether it's your pitch position, your body position, your footwork, you know, there's, there's so much you can get in. But it's about putting yeah. the right things yeah, in. Yeah, for me, it's about... So, so me is like, when is it appropriate? And I, that's what I say. Like, I think there's a lot of benefit to him. Like, say, all those, you know, I've seen like Dan Chichi doing the ones at Arsenal when I was there. I'm really good in terms of the quality, the movements, where he's living. But for me, it's like, when is that appropriate? I don't, not a massive, for me, like, 90s, 10s, 11s. Not sure that's really me. I'm using at that age group. Maybe then it is, you know, I was, I was, when the pitch opens up and it becomes an 11 I think that's much more appropriate than they'll say, not necessarily, you know, I saw a session, seen session, you know, under eight to doing, you know, like a passing pattern sort of thing. I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, my thing is like, well, when you break it down, like you say, into like a little bit more of a, you know, smaller example, like say you're in like a two and a three, like you're, you know, little little movements of that. And mm. that's, I think that's much more appropriate for that age. If that's what I'm trying to say. You know, I mean, I kind of see like, I'm trying to think, you know, in that small sided game experience, you know, me setting up a passing pattern, working through, you stand here, you break the line. I think I'm not in, that doesn't really, for me, that's not yeah. effective use of that time. I broke it down to like Morrison's, you know, work in those smaller groups if you like and then when the game opens up yeah fair enough that's what you're going to do you're open up and then again i suppose it's delivery isn't it how you're doing it and you know what in, in for me it's like you've got to be really they like, say how much how much time you get with these players whatever it is is not enough mm-hmm. you know what i mean you really got to really be effective and focusing on those those core things especially with the youngest ones you know what i mean there's much more appropriate got, things to, to to be doing i think i've got a good one so you can you can put it in a game related practice if you want then so let's say the focus is on like i said they're having a stun touch right you know the phone box game i really like to do this one it works brilliant especially with really young players if you want to like that pressure and they like being on the ball don't they and twisting so picture the phone box you've got a little i don't know three four yard square three players caging you in and you leave one part empty where you've got a, again you've got a server you've got a receiver and you've got a target right the target is going to float around the square if you can picture it I'm going to work on my pass, wrapping it into feet. So the pressure on me playing my pass is, can I play for a little two or three yard gap? If I get it wrong, there's three players marking my mate who's caged in the middle. So can I work on my wrap pass? Yes. That player in there now has a choice with his first touch. 
can he stun it? And if he stuns it, again, we encourage him to say, look, you're stunning it because it's a tight space. And actually what you're going to do is entice a player in eventually. So we give him five seconds. So I've wrapped it and he stunned it. Now he's rocking and rolling, twisting on the ball. And we say to him, right, you've controlled it really well under tight pressure. Your two ways to get out is can you use your Zidane, what you're twisting and turning, dribbling, wriggle out of here, break out, scoring the mini goals. If you can't, you either play back to the player that served you. So that's your safe posh. You can just set it and move like a one-two, yeah. like we've done in the other practice. In, set, get out of the box. He plays you into score. And then that starts putting pressure on the markers to stop the set. And now he's got a gate to break out. And the other guy that was floating around the box, he's got a separate job off the ball sort. Now, all of a sudden, we're playing a 3v3 game, but it's not really a game. But they've all got their own challenge. The guy off the ball, so I'm serving, he's receiving. The target is floating. And what's he looking for? He's moving to look for the gaps where little David Silver in there can scoot one over a leg or smuggle one through someone's legs or punch one out. And then, you know, them little one-twos you get where you flip it off the outside and get a one-two and score. So all of a sudden, you've got a passing practice. But there's not, there's everything. You've got 1v1s. And then you just rotate. Now I go in the middle. The target comes and passes and works on his wrap pass. The one that wriggled out becomes the receiver. So you're working on everything in the game. You're working on the pass side of the receiver and the player off the ball. And the defenders on the outside are working on a defender, and they caging them in, you know, your footwork blocking. And set a little time and say, after five seconds, if you don't get out, you can go in and make a little tackle if you want. And so they love that game, honestly. That can go anywhere, that game. And then you just take it into a 3v3. Pick it all up. Play the 3v3, mini goal to mini goal. But um, it's another way of putting pressure on the pass and, and the receiving, do you know what I mean? And the ball striking. Absolutely. So like, wrapping up now, thinking about what was your, like, what would be the big, you know, just takeaways uh, for like coaches out there who want to, you know, thinking about ball striking, you know, when and where to do it effectively, you know, use of that. Um, I would say pay attention to just how useful it is in the game, full stop. You know, from the goalkeepers, like I'm, I'm watching, whether it's Manuel Neuer on two feet, like exceptionally two-footed or... Um, Edison, if the game looks like this now, you've got to be thinking for the kids, blimey, what's it going to look like in 15, 10, 15 years' time for these kids? They're going to have to be perfect on both feet. And again, whether you're a defender and your bread and butter is clearing the ball and having the ability to strike the ball short, long. So just don't neglect it because they're going to need it 100%. And then, like we say with all the stuff, so I know it sounds like we're really repetitive, but it's just what we believe in is don't don't set the limits for the players. I really do believe... I. I I've not been convinced any other way that nearly every player can become two-footed. It's an attitude. And if we're the ones putting limits going, oh, don't use your left foot or, you know, it's just a wooden leg and all these names for it, we've got to, we've got to keep our minds up. We've got to be the ones that are opening the kids' minds to become two-footed and try that ambitious 40-yard pass. The last point is, so is um, don't expect a nine-year-old to be able to kick it like a 15-year-old. Zoom in on the technique. If he's got exceptional technique but can only kick it 15 yards and drive it, but it's beautiful technique driven over 15 yards. Don't worry. When the natural growth comes, they're going to be able to get the 50, 60 yards Yabby Alonso style. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, me too as well. I mean, I agree with that. And I say to everyone, you know, remember like say how important it is, key thing, it's just when and where to do it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, make sure you, you have that bit of maintenance, you're encouraging players to work away, have high expectations of players, you know, really encourage them to do that. And I was going to say as well, like, even in my session, think about what I do, like in, in working with players individually, there's always some sort of end product on anything I'm doing, you know, any sort of skill practice. Whether you're just, it's either a shot across or a pass, do you know what I mean? You know, that position-specific stuff, it's really key. And I remember Ricardo saying as well, he said that how, you know, how 
important that is just building that quality of that quality, that power, that strike. Do you know what I mean? And you know, I, I think as well as that, you know, it, it just makes sense to me finishing a practice. And I'm talking to a lot of you know one-to-one coaches, and I see practices and say, you know, your practice should look something like the game. You know, you might overemphasize some of the movements, but it should look like an element of the game, where it's breaking pressure and breaking the line to then finish or pass or shoot or something. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's makes sense to me and, I, and it should and that's what players say to me is about my sense well like that because I, this is the game this is what we're going to do game i'm going to receive it i'm going to move and i'm going to try and you know get something off so i think that's really important and then like i say have like try a bit of daily practice coach players be two-footed work on that bit of, nothing better than a ball and a wall just that repetition you know i say 10 20 30 50 100 repetition days it's so so bad but listen glenn thanks very much again appreciate it mate hope you have a great day enjoy the uh the north london derby tomorrow and uh um, a good one yeah exactly See you later, mate. Take care, pal. Ta-da, mate. Cheers, mate. Thanks for tuning in to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Soccer Player Development Podcast. MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's dynamic ball mastery program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game.